Hey you. Whoa, didn't expect to see you here. Thanks so much for being curious enough to check us out. You're about to gift your ears the soothing, sensational and seductive sounds of the Story Network podcast. But before I jump into the emotive and inspirational introduction, I actually just want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in and then welcome you to the Story Network community. So thank you and welcome. Now, let's roll that intro. Hit it. This is the emotive and inspirational introduction to the Story Network podcast. My name is Zed Hopkins and it is my job to inspire connection, collaboration and creation through open and honest conversation. So let's put our lives aside for a moment, connect heart to heart, mind to mind, share with each other, learn from each other and inspire each other to be more, to feel more and experience more. 7.54 billion stories on one earth. We are the Story Network, and this is the Story Network Podcast. Woo! The Story Network, let's do it! And we are back for another week. In today's episode, I am flying high over in India to chat with my really good friend and creative colleague, Siddharth Jain. Sid is an incredible artist working primarily in the realms of theatre, but also doing his own writing and other creative projects. He was a member of my senior thesis ensemble, and in this conversation, we jump all over the place. We learn a little bit about Sid's dreams and what he's super passionate about, and then Sid and I delve deep into the relationship with self, the idea of legacy, and what it means to be a young creative who wants to have an impact in the world. This conversation deeply inspired me and connected me to why I'm doing this podcast. So I hope you get some value from this. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe and leave a positive review. Without further ado, let's get straight into this week's podcast with Siddhant Jain. Hello and welcome back to the Story Network podcast. My name is Zed Hopkins and today I am chatting to my good friend Sadat Jain. Sid, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Early morning for me, but I'm doing really good. Yeah, thanks so much for getting up early. You're, you're in India right now, correct? Yeah. Fantastic. So usually the way I like to start is just to give a little bit of context about our relationship. You're another friend of mine who I met at the Claremont Colleges a fellow international student, grew up in India, and then moved over to the US to go to college. You were actually one of the artists who was part of my senior thesis project before that sort of shut down. But as, as a bit of an introduction, would you mind just giving us a bit of a spark notes version of your story from growing up in India to then moving over to the US? Uh, I think for me, the place I like to start my story is on like I grab it down to the date, July 2nd, 2011, which is my sister's ninth birthday, just because that was the moment that it kind of changed for me as a person. It was like this huge change because, um, so my sister went for her first um, theater class and um, I was like, I don't want to go. And my parents were like, go pick her up and take her, bring her to a birthday party. 
and I went there a bit early and uh, the teacher told me, um, come on in, we're just playing some games. I just really enjoyed the feeling and the energy in that space. And then I went back the next week and I, and I was going every week at that point. And then I was really enjoying myself being in the space. And that was a huge shift for me because that was where I started to realize that this is something I really enjoy doing. And otherwise I, had, I would have never imagined myself as an artist. And so that's where it started for me. And um, I've been working with uh, the teacher, Keetna Kumar, for ever since. And we've done like three big productions, one of which we um, took to Mannheim in Germany, and uh, which was a fabulous experience for me. And um, yeah, and then I, um, I came to the Claremont Colleges um, and kind of instantly knew that I wanted to do both uh, like physics and theater as a, both as a major because those are areas that I really want to pursue and then over time I just like I met people and uh, like you and I was like no I want to be an actor first and foremost I want to be and then I started to realize I want to be more than an actor I want to be a writer I want to be a producer I want to be a director I just want to be an artist I want to create I, I don't want to just keep like putting on the same shows that has been done throughout history I want to I want new stories to come to light and for me like I'm, I'm starting to realize that I want a lot of like I want to change the way the Indian cinema is looked at just because, like, I think Satyajit Ray had once said that the Indian cinema is rather backward. And he, like, and he said this a long time back, but it still applies now that the types of stories that are coming out, there are a lot, there's a lot more good stuff coming out, but a lot of the mainstream that's coming out is still very um, rooted in um, uh, hero versus villain, uh, the female characters are very much oh got kidnapped and then had to be saved at the last minute so like that's something I want, I want to change the mainstream of Indian cinema that's like an awesome mission and and you know it's so awesome to be able to hear you speak about that kind of stuff and know like where having had all of these experiences like where the impact you see yourself having in the world is and knowing that that you have a bigger mission that you want to contribute to like the art sphere as a whole and specifically link it back to sort of your home and, and the culture of artistic practice there I, I i think it'd be really interesting to touch a little bit on that that style of theater you're talking about or, or performance and creation around what, what would usually be called devising and i feel like this is something that in a lot you know, if, if you study theater, this is something that's going to come up, but it's, it's, it's definitely in, in, in terms of like mainstream theater education, it's something that sort of exists on the, on the sides of it. it it's not necessarily something that necessarily takes the main stage um, a lot of the time, but it is a theater that is, that is built out of the people in the room. It is, it is a theater, it is, it is performance that is crafted through a process of collecting stories of a group of people coming together and crafting a story, crafting an experience for an audience that in some way reflects interests and ideas from the creators themselves. And, and, and what, I, what I personally find so exciting about it, and, and we've spoken about this, you know, off the air, um, about 
about divide and what's so interesting is that it's built on collaboration. It, it gets rid of hierarchy and it gets rid of necessarily the strict roles and responsibilities of the writer writes a script, gives it to a director, the director directs the actors and the actors, you know, take, do their own acting process. But what devising does is it encourages this like synthesis of all these different perspectives. Everyone kind of has an influence on, on an ownership of the product in the end. And I think, What's really exciting about that kind of process is that it empowers people to use their own experiences, to use their story as a means of connecting with other people and synthesizing their stories together. I'm, I'm interested to delve a little bit deeper into that in your own life. How would you see that these processes maybe overlap or connect with your experiences outside of the rehearsal room, outside of the theater? What lessons in life have or, or correlate with these collaborative theatrical experiences? I think at the basis of it all, it, it comes, it boils down to communication. And uh, for a collaborative process, there has to be a great amount of communication. Even in, uh, say, uh, Pathos, we all had an understanding. Um, we, we, we all had each individually an understanding of our characters and you yourself had an understanding of our characters but as we communicated with each other we understood each other's characters better and then we could just give suggestions and for me like through life communication is something that like uh just understanding how to communicate with people is something that is essential to any sphere of anything so like it yeah so when we when we're able to understand what each other like what someone else is really trying to say to us beneath all the words and that that that's when we understand how to help each other i think that 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 is not something i've completely got a grasp of i'm i'm not saying that i'm an ex expert on this or anything it's just it's an active process to learn how to listen to each other and then so and and it it extends in every sphere of life i guess yeah well i think that's such a such a good point is fundamentally everything down comes down to communication our ability to communicate with people around us whether they be friends intimate partners family members our ability to communicate with ourselves and listen to ourselves is something that's also really important you know to know when when maybe we're pushing ourselves too hard knowing when maybe it's time to push a bit more like like building relationships and understandings with ourselves and with the people around us like i think fundamentally that is that is like what is at the core of collaborative processes and, and I think you're right. Like if we look back to Pathos, my thesis show, one, one of the things I was really seeking to explore was how do we actually create a piece of art that has a direction, has a clear process set out and has someone guiding it, which was me sort of as the facilitator, you know, I was writing and, and, and directing it, but, but I saw myself more as a facilitator. How do I facilitate an experience that allows individuals to express themselves, to share their stories, to create a character that they're passionate about and that they want to explore because it's, it's relevant to them and where they're at in their life. And then how do we then bring these characters together who are oftentimes quite um, contradictory or conflicting and then create a story and an experience for an audience that allows them to see into this. 
And, and I think, you know, like in, in doing that, one of the biggest lessons that I got is very much resonates with what you're saying is this idea that the communication is, is at the core of everything we do as, as young people, especially as we sort of like look to map our futures, to map the impact we want to have on the world, to start to build relationships that are going to be lifelong, our ability to articulate how we're feeling, to articulate the experiences we're having, to connect with other people through those articulations is, is a skill that I think is oftentimes overlooked and something that we don't give ourselves time to develop. And I think the beauty about these collaborative processes is they almost force us or they create a, yeah. a space in which we can connect and collaborate and communicate. Um, and, and I think that that is, is really at the core. Expanding on that and delving a little bit deeper with you, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as you look back on your life, and this is sort of a slight segue, but but I think it'll tie in into terms of your relationship with self, because that's something I'm really interested in at the moment is, is like, how do we actually develop a relationship with ourselves that is healthy, but also helps us chase those big goals of like changing Indian cinema. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, as you look back on your life, what would you say maybe are like one or two of the most significant and like impactful moments in your life? And what kind of lessons did you get from those? I know it's quite a broad question, but, but feel free to take it in any, in anywhere that might spark you. I feel, um, one of the most, I, it wasn't exactly a particular moment, but it was just a time in my life that was kind of impactful was when I must have been around 13 or something. And I was, um, I always felt like a bit of an outsider in like social circles at school and, and everything. And I, I, I was trying to fit in, I was trying to adapt uh, to allow myself to um, get, get closer to the people around me. And then I, slowly have this realization that um, the person I'm trying to be right now is not me. And that was, um, that was possibly one of the biggest shifts and uh, realizations in my life, because then I started to just evaluate like my actions and my thoughts. And I was like, is this what I want to do? Is this, the music I want to listen to or am I just doing this to try and fit in with other people and like I slowly uh, started to come to a point where I was like no this is like a lot of this is not what I want to do this is just me trying to uh, make friends and I like I've, I've always understood that making friends is just a really hard process and you but you can't make good friends if you're not going to be yourself and then have those friends stick with you if you're not being you with them. And uh, so then that, that moment kind of like made me, now I, now from then onwards, I kind of started analyzing like if, if I'm doing something as this, am I doing this because I want to do it? Because I want to do it for someone? Or am I doing this just because some external reason? And that's kind of like, uh, like then, then you can go into like my hate for social media and stuff just because like people, present such um edited versions of themselves on social media and my, my belief is always to stay true to oneself 
and in, in like across interactions. Uh, but yeah, that's that's going uh, off topic. Um, no, well, I think I think it's a really valuable point though. Is that you know, and and I want to commend you also for for your your bringing that up and, and your honesty there. I I think there there is there is something so powerful in coming to that realization of wait a second i'm not being myself like i'm playing a character here and i've i've had similar moments where i've gone wait a second this this isn't me like everything i'm doing right now like i'm not enjoying this like i'm not enjoying playing this character i i don't care about these things i'm saying i care about and i'm not having conversations that stimulate me and excite me and in all honesty it kind of makes me feel pretty shitty and yeah. and and i think i think you're right though like one of the issues that is sort of a um sort of like risen up due to social media is this idea of like performativity like there is the performance of being a certain kind of person the performance of of, of showing people your life but only these like snippets of it the best bits mm-hmm. you know and the issue with that is then then sometimes even though you might understand that you take other people's snippets to be their entire life and then you compare yourself to that and you go oh well i'm not like like living all these things and, and doing all of this, like, and, and, and it kind of like becomes this like layer of like, oh, do I need to perform to show that I sort of like um, also conform to those like societal expectations or the, or the norm. And, and I think, I think you're right though. Like, like that's a, that's a dangerous territory to be in because it, it causes you to disconnect from, from yourself or, or a true version of yourself. But I think the hard thing at the same time is sometimes we don't know who out who we are. Like we're all just trying to figure it out. And I think one yeah. of the things we can do, like like to get very tactical, and 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 you know this is something where I think it's important to get tactical. Is like I'm interested. Like, what was your approach when you sort of had that realization? Like, how do you tactically go about go like after that realization? You go, oh, I'm not being myself. Like, how do you then go, oh, I'm going to now try to be myself. Like, it's not like you can just like flick a switch in your brain and go, okay, I'm just my true authentic self. You know, there's a process that needs to go on there. Like, what was that process look like for you? Where were the challenges? What are the things that you now take away um, moving forward as you continue to try and pursue a more authentic version of self? So for me, music has been a really big part of my life. So like, just changing like the music i was listening to the to, uh, listening to to the music i wanted to listen to was just a big move in itself even though it sounds rather small and and at that moment i just kind of um for me it was to find myself i just had to like detach from the world a little bit and just like isolate myself from uh, the situations I was feeling uncomfortable with or like when I situations of people I was feeling like I'm not being my true self with them so just move away from that and just look at it so even uh, moving away from it could could, uh, be something as simple as still having a conversation with that person but just like pulling out of yourself and just looking at the, uh, the person you are being at that moment and it's it, it's interesting. I had this thought, and it's a bit of an aside, but um, when I perform, I want it to be an active choice. And 
everyone's going through this uh, thing of performativity, whether it be on social media or in our interactions with each other, physical um, and non-physical. But I want my performance, I want when I play a character, I want it to be an active choice. And that's when I get, uh, like, get pleasure out of it. When I, when I make the choice to do something and like, there's always that thing. I want, I want to make the choice to uh, perform, but I want it to be natural as like in an acting process uh, point of view, but I don't want to um, imbibe uh, a performativity in, in a situation where I'm being myself. And getting back to the thing about how did I move away from that? Um, I think it's really important to, um, and sometimes a little difficult as well, to just find people who you feel comfortable with. And that's, that's not always easy. And I, I know that's not always easy to do. Uh, and when you start to find people you're comfortable with, then you can start showing parts of yourself to them that you would not show to everyone. And there's, there's always, there's always going to be a certain level of performativity or um, when, when someone is like not so open or is uh, an introvert or is kind of closed off. And so then you're just like putting on like this front, but then, it can always slip into a front that you don't want. And that's something I like, I've, I'm always trying to be wary of that. Like when I'm trying to, um, I'm losing my thoughts a bit. No, no, well, uh, let me, let, let me jump off of that because I think you're bringing up something really, really interesting, right? Is that it makes me think, you know, in, in actor training, when, when you're training as an actor, sort of this idea from, from Meisner comes up, a particular sort of acting methodology, this idea of living truthfully under the given circumstances, right? Like good acting is, is about living truthfully under those circumstances. So you're responding instinctively um, to whatever's going on around you and you're, you're truthful to those circumstances. You're not sort of exaggerating, you're not trying to play it, but you're just responding to the situation around you in a truthful way. The, the interesting thing is, is that we actually don't do that in our everyday life. Like a lot of the time in that circumstance, our living truthfully is revolves around a social filter that, that then needs to test things, you know, like there's times where I'm like, where like instinctually, I'm like, oh, I'm catching up with this friend. I'm going to give them a, like a hug when I meet them. Right. And then social filter comes in and they go to shake the hand. And so you shake the hand. Right. Or, you know, or, or little things like sometimes you want to like say like a joke that's like not, you know, like, like those little things like where it's like, we'll do weird shit. Let's just acknowledge that first and foremost. Right. We all have like our weird things. We have weird senses of humor. We say random stuff. We make up words. We, you know, when we're on our own, like our minds, like make up things. We have crazy thoughts. We have ideas, but we have this filter that then stops that going out. And what that does is it like restricts our expression of self. It restricts our ability to utilize language as a way to connect, but also as a way of expression, you know? And, and I think there is something really powerful and, and, and empowering when you seek out people in your life 
who support you in your truthful expression, your truthful experience in the given circumstances, right? Because we're all going to respond to the world differently. And I think if, if you feel supported by the people around you, right, then you are going to want to be truthful. You're going to want to be honest. You're going to want to be an expression of yourself because you want people to connect with you for who you are, not through some like filtered version of you that's trying mm -hmm. to please them. And I think the biggest shift that, that comes out of that is I think as you, especially throughout high school, right? Through that period of time, which is one of the most like critical development stages in our life. What actually happens is we like inherit the, inherit this belief that we need to be liked by everyone, right? Popularity, this, this, like this idea of being popular is like, is like something that we strive for. I want people to like me. The truth of the matter is there are, there are nearly like 8 billion people on this planet, right? Around that 8 billion people. And you were worried about one person not liking you, like, who, who you may never see again outside of this classroom, outside of this party environment, outside of this, this sports team. Like, like you, and going back to your idea about choice, right? You have a choice to let that person's opinion of you influence the trajectory of, of your relationship with yourself, the trajectory of your life and the way you perceive it. But you can also choose to go, it doesn't matter. And that realization, I think, is the biggest shift, you know, to, to, to reiterate what you said, the biggest shift in building a better relationship with your authentic self. That authentic self comes out when you feel comfortable to express who you are and you rid yourself of the attachment to other people's validation of you, that you are comfortable in who you are and you know that the people that are meant to be in your life, the people who you want to be in your life and who make you a better person are the people that are going to stick around and embrace you for who you are. You don't want to be surrounded by people who embrace this performance because eventually, otherwise you're going to live your life just constantly acting, holding up a facade, you know? And, and if we're to get really deep there, like, like to go a bit deeper and personal, like I remember there was a moment for me where I, I had to sit down. I had to be like, why, why am I acting? Like, what is it about acting? And there was a period in time where I was acting because I would rather, I felt more comfortable playing a character than being myself. Yeah. And there was, a, and there was an excuse. There was a legitimate productive excuse to, to avoid having to face myself and be myself as I could play a character. Right. And that's why I, I'd always had like, my humor has always been very much about playing characters. Right. And, and, and so that was kind of like a social mechanism and a survival instinct that I had is if I played a character, people can critique me, right? They could just yeah. critique a persona or a character and that would be an expression of who I was. And, and I think like it's that realization that that's fine to a certain extent, but you're the one you have to live with for your entire life, you know? And your unique and perspective is fucking powerful, yeah. Kind of just jumping off of that, it's it's also like when you get to the realization where this relationship, this friendship, or whatever it may be, is not working for me, and I need to let it go. I think that's a really like that's a really important one for me personally, definitely, because um, I I just 
am the kind of person who just likes to hold on to friendships and i just because i find it to be the most fulfilling and valuable thing uh possibly like i just that i've ever experienced when you have a, pro- a deep connection with someone it's just so amazing that to let go of even if it isn't that deep to let go of a friendship or it used to be a uh close connection to let go of that is something that i always fear and i still do uh but when you get to the that realization that no like i need to let go of this because this isn't helping me this is actually hurting me i think that that that's something that's incredibly difficult but incredibly necessary for all of us to make that decision uh you you uh that's absolutely brilliant like that is it's so so true like i mean i there's so many little moments in my life where that comes up and I, and 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 i think it's the thing of like i think in a lot of ways we're hardwired to fear ends we're hardwired to like fear the end of something because the when th- something hasn't ended we can always go back to it you know whether it's a relationship that we we're, we're holding on to you know that we've kind of attached ourselves to and we're like oh i don't want it to end because that means like you know like that's that's the end like the the end is death like that relationship that connection is now dead right but but the other side of it is that's liberating like if if that relationship that friendship whatever it is is not bringing value into both of your lives if it is not in exciting you empowering you um allowing you to be a more authentic version of yourself and and a happy person then you've got you've you've got to find a way to even if it's not fully let go but to transition out of a dependence on that relationship because you know it's this whole idea of like you know you only live once right but the truth is that's not about like just go out and like have all of these crazy experiences and like you know all of that what that actually is about is so no matter where you're at focus on the things that make you a better person focus on the people you know who make you a better person and we all have limited time and energy to put into relationships so choose to invest that time and energy in people who make you a better version of yourself who open you up to empathy to new experiences who help you grow who inspire you you know yeah definitely i was uh, i was just thinking along those lines and i was thinking that um so, something else that i was thinking about along those lines is when we uh, when a relationship or a friendship does transition into um something that it wasn't before and or or if it ends even if it ends badly i think something that i've recently realized is that that doesn't mean we can't take pleasure in those memories that we had in that time that we spent with that person because that time that we spent in our past will always be there will always be like an influence to the person that we were for us to become that the person that we are and recognizing that that was there and that will always be there in your memory and just because that the end wasn't so great or either way it doesn't mean that we can't go back to that past and take pleasure in it yeah yeah well, that's that's so true that is so true because 
because I think there's this idea of like of like wanting to like hold on to everything so you never have to let anything go so you get to keep all of these great things right but the truth is is like or at least how I view like the world and how it works is that you attract things into your life or things sort of appear in your life when you need them you know, like when there are lessons to be learned through certain experiences and, you know, they're not always like positive experiences. And there's like, you know, like there's things that you go through, but you know, a lot of the time when you look back in retrospect, you can go, Oh, there was value in that. You know, like if I think back to like, like from a personal perspective, like if I look back to like all of like, say the intimate relationships I've had in my life, you know, like, like even some of the ones where it was like at the time it, it, it like it was difficult, you know, it was difficult to let go and you know like it was really hard and, and there was a lot of sadness there was frustration you know there was you know maybe anger like all of these emotions you know there and at the time you're like oh this sucks you know like how am I going to get over this but then when you look back on it you go oh but I learned so much through that experience like I had to face emotions I had to have those experiences to be the person I am today you know and, and, I, and I think like there's something really powerful in, in, in being able to look back and like be grateful for those experiences because they made you who you are today and they allowed you to grow. Um, but I think the key there is knowing that there is a responsibility to work to process those things, you know, and this mm-hmm. is something yeah. I'm saying this because it's something I haven't done a lot of the time is like sometimes I'm like, I'll just push through. I'll just work through this by just pushing forward and not actually feeling those emotions, not actually like writing about it, trying to find a way to process that, you know, for myself so that I can face it and not attach to it or push it down. But we have to experience these things. And that's why we need to talk about this stuff, you know? That's so true. Cause like, even when I've had uh, moments where it hasn't been great or my, like there are just emotions that I don't want to deal with. Sometimes I literally visualize pushing those emotions, just like crushing them into something so minuscule that it can't affect me. And the thing is, it's, it's never, it, it can never disappear. And even in my visualizations, it never disappears into nothing. It will always be there. And like, as much as I'm putting that effort to push it down, it's just, it's just going to keep coming back. And only when I've started to think about it, process it, have I reached a point where I've become okay with um, the emotions that I felt at that time. And I've gained something out of that. Uh, you're, you're exactly right. It's really funny because I, I went for a hike this morning uh, with one of my really good friends, Darren Riley, who's also been on the podcast. And we were, we were talking about something very similar, this idea of like like the baggage that you hold, the, this idea of like um, lightness, and heaviness and this idea that a lot of the time when situate when things get thrown at you in life you know i i we came up with this sort of like visual of it's almost like we all wear this belt that has like ropes coming out the back that collect objects that we maybe don't process so it's like when something in life gets thrown at you whether that be a breakup or it be you know a friendship that falls away or it be you know sickness or anything like that like it gets thrown at us and we sort of have a choice as we can, we can see it, acknowledge it and like feel all those emotions and then put it aside or we can try and dodge it, but then it gets caught up in the ropes behind us. Right. And, and so eventually as you keep walking forward, if you keep trying to dodge everything, you're just dragging all of this weight, you know, your life becomes heavy, 
you know, and, and this has happened to me, like whenever I've been super anxious and stressed, it's because I'm not facing any of this stuff. I'm trying to dodge it all. Like I'm trying to like, like avoid all of the like hard emotions, you know, all of the like sometimes sadness or loneliness. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to feel that. No, thank you. I'm going to just like dodge this. I'm going to, you know, go out drinking with friends or I'm going to smoke some weed and try and like subdue these emotions, you know, or just work my way through it and not actually deal with it. But what actually has to happen is for us to like, reach a state of lightness to to actually be able to move forward in life we have to stop and give ourselves permission to stop and turn around and go back to those ropes and untie them and learn you know and and sometimes we can't do that ourselves sometimes we need to ask for help you know whether that's from friends whether it's from therapists whether it's from you know professionals but like sometimes it, it takes turning back around and like picking up the objects and going i see you i acknowledge you and i'm going to feel this emotion you know and i'm going to feel it and in feeling it, I can undo that knot and put it aside, you know? And there's a, you know, there's, there's spectrums of that processing and what that looks like. But I think like, you're exactly right. It's this process of, of knowing that in life, you know, we are the vessel for experiences, for emotions, you know? We are not our emotions, but we need to experience our emotions so as to not store them deep inside of us. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a really, it's a really cool image uh and just uh going off of that it's i think that part of the problem of us not never looking back to see those ropes is that the way life is structured or the way it's we've been told it's structured is always looking forward is always moving forward is always pushing forward i know we've spoken a lot about this as well but in high school get good grades so you get into a good college in college get good grades take all these classes so that you get a good job get a good job so that you get uh, you have enough money uh, for a family or to for a retirement plan or something it's always forward and i think that's tying it back to the earlier point of just being able to stay your true self you have to be in the present to figure that out who you are is you can't you can never figure know who you are if you're always thinking about the future you future you is someone that like you you don't know who that person is and the only way you that person is a better version of the person you are today is if you know if you try and figure out who you are today right that is exactly it it's like we only exist like right now you know the past us that did stupid things that fucked up that, you know, like dodged all these things. Like we have to have empathy for that person. That person doesn't exist anymore. Like we only exist in this moment. Like, and you know, there's all the spirituality stuff of that, but it's like actually tangible. The reality is this is the only moment that exists right now. Right. And, and, and I think to, to go off your point about this relationship with a future self to be future orientated, like we're told that's what it is. Um, and that's what we should be working towards. And I think the issue is, is we're not taught the patience to understand that that takes a lifetime, you know, and, and the, the, the true like awareness and true like fulfillment comes from being okay and where we are right now, you know, and this is something we've spoken about, but I, to, to segue a little bit, you know, I think in terms of like our self-love, I've been, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how this idea of being future oriented, having big dreams, wanting to tick the boxes to get to the next thing and have an impact and do all this stuff. You know, what is the relationship between that and self-love? And the truth is self-love has to exist now. And self-love, and this also goes for the love of other people, like you need to love that person, whether that's yourself or another person, 
for where they are at right now because that is the person that they are right now. You cannot love someone else or yourself for their potential, right? Like that is the crazy thing. And, and this is where like, you know, to be super honest, like that's where my issue with self-love has been is that I was, I was like, oh yeah, I love, you know, like I have, I have compassion and empathy and love for myself, but I was actually in love with my potential, with my vision for who I'm going to be in 30 years. I was like, I'm going to do all this stuff. I've got these big aspirations. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to destroy myself who I am now in order to be that person. And that's not, that's not love. That's in love with the, my potential, but not actually who I am. And it's the same thing in relationships, you know, like we have to love the people for who they are right now. And that because that's all that exists and we can't be attached to these future versions of us or other people, but now, because that's all that exists. That's, so you're just like, you're hitting everything I want to say right now. And like, we can't, we can't love a person for who they want to be, who they um, would be in the future, who we think they would be in the future. You don't know how they actually will be in the future. And we can't love a person for who they used to be either. Yeah. And uh, so I think, yeah, there's something really special about the time that you share with someone else, the, inter, uh, the uh, connection you build is based on the person that each of you are at that very moment. And it like, and we try and trick ourselves sometimes that no, this person used to be something and they will be like this, or this person could be so much more. Just because I think that we're always trying to trick ourselves into, I can do this, I can be so much more than the person I am right now. And so, like you said, we fall in love with the idea of who we are, who, of, of the better version of us down the line than with the person we are right now. And when that comes in, then it affects, I think that's, that's the attitude we have towards all our relationships. Yeah, well, I mean, and going off that, you're exactly right. And like going off that, it's like, we're, we're almost like attached to this idea of like things needing to be perfect and to be infinite. You know, we talked earlier about having a letting go of relationships and friendships and those kind of things. Like the act of letting go is like accepting that maybe for right now, right now, this relationship, we're actually not meant to be together right now. Like we're not, we're not aligned. Like our visions and, and who we are right now isn't actually aligned and isn't in service of each other and the people around us. And that's okay. Like to understand the finite nature of human experiences. And, you know, that's easier said than done because like I've, I live in a perpetual state of, of longing for the past and past experiences and past, you know, like connections with people. But the truth is, is that, you know, I think it's this, this freedom in the acceptance of where we're at right now and the, and, and the gratitude for the past, but knowing that everything has its time you know, and that, that time as this, this system that is constantly moving, you know, is, is, is going to align us and make us connect when it's, you know, meant to be. When it, you know, that's what I truly believe is that when things are meant to happen, they're going to come together if you are, you know, a true authentic representation and reflection of, of yourself. And that sometimes, you know, like to give, once again, I like to give like real tangible examples you know, as, as a way of trying to like validate to myself, like this experience. So it's not just words, but like, 
my best mate would be we um sent andrew um he's actually gonna come on the podcast in a few weeks and he's we're actually about to go on a trip traveling we bought a van together and we're about to go traveling but we we went to high school together and we became just like best mates and we we really just connect like we're like we see ourselves as like soulmates like we just just connect on such a deeper level and we understand each other and we're we're such like an authentic version of ourselves around each other but there was a period in time when I first moved to the US and he moved to Melbourne to go to university where we didn't speak for about five months like no contact we went from being best mates talking every day to not talking at all not even like really just being in each other's lives at all for five months right but then we've come back and now we talk all the time, you know, like we're, we're super in each other's lives. Right. But it, in that five months, we both, they were such like critical moments in our life of life experience of meeting new people of um, traveling of having experiences that we needed to have that then when we came back together, our friendship almost expanded. Right. It's like we needed space and, and in a way, like, you know, not to get, super like airy fairy spiritual stuff but like in a way like the universe like gave us space so that we could then come back together when we were like could better serve our, our relationship you know like it's almost like we didn't need each other in that time because we needed to go and give that time and energy and other people and have those experiences to then bring it back so that we could evolve and keep growing together and and, and I think like that is like a really you know like powerful reframe that I now look back on my life with you know is is trusting that relationships and experiences like happen for you you know in you know and obviously i'm only speaking from my experience and from the experiences i have like that's the limited purview of that i have but the this idea of like things come into your life when you need them to have those experiences so that you can grow and better serve and then even if it is eventually time to let something go like there's a lesson in that in itself in a way yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just, I want to ask you, and I'm, I'm sorry to just turn this around, is that no, you're good. It's, it's, it's so hard sometimes to just have faith in that process. Like, uh, a lot of people, like, there's, it's a common phrase that the timing wasn't right when you're referring to um, friendships or relationships or anything like that. The timing wasn't right. And and yeah, yeah, timing, as we uh, talked about, it, it has a lot to do with it, with the people that you are at that moment. But how, how do you have faith in, because it, sometimes it can get so hard to just have faith that stuff will work out for you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a really, really good question. And I definitely, I want to like, definitely say up front, I have, honestly, I have no idea. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to figure it out and I'm just using the experiences I have um, to to try and build a framework for experience. But but the way I look at it is I think there's something really powerful, at least from what I've experienced in letting go of this idea of right and wrong, good and bad, positive, negative. Right. Like whether that's with emotions, like happy, good, sad, bad, you know, like like these binaries that we're constantly trying to like view our life through you know this idea of like of like when you look back on things oh that was a negative experience that was a positive experience but no like they're just experiences and we actually get to choose how we see them right and i think like it comes down to that idea of like of like things either you can choose to have life happen for you or to you 
And I think through a process of like, just like focusing on yourself, like taking time to be still, to connect with yourself. Like for me, meditation as a tool has been really powerful in this and, and also gratitude as a tool of being like, what am I grateful for in my life right now? Okay, wow, if I'm grateful for the um, time that I've had with my family recently, right? Which is something I really am grateful for. My relationship with my siblings is probably the strongest it's been ever been, right? And this is from having left my siblings and missed a lot of their growing up, which is something I've felt very guilty for. My gratitude for that means that I had to um, have COVID-19 interrupt my final semester, right? Which was arguably one of the most traumatic and, and um, difficult um, situations of my life. You know, I'd worked for pretty much four years to get to this point of my final semester of, of putting everything together, of spending time with people I cared about and, and, and loved. And I had this visa that I could extend. And in a, in a matter of days, that was taken away, right? That was a big event, right? And at the time, I was like, there is nothing good about this. This is horrible right? Binary. I binary, the binary was, this is shit, right? But now when I can look back on that in retrospect, I can go actually, but it allowed me to have time with my siblings. It allowed me to have time with my parents. It allowed me to start the story network, you know? And so I think, I think in, in a way of processing to get, to get tangible here, I think there is a balance between outer and inner work that goes along with this and, and it's a process, right? But I think it is grounding yourself in moments of stillness for reflection, moments to look back and go, I'm going to feel this stuff. I'm going to face this stuff. But also moments of gratitude, you know, center yourself on what you're grateful for, the good things in your life, the things that you care about. And you can probably track them back to experiences that you thought were bad. And then when you catch yourself putting a binary perspective on things, you can question it. Like you can go, oh, oh, I had a shit day. Oh, I just put a binary. I just said this was a shit day. Actually, there was a really good phone call that I had this morning with a close friend who I haven't seen in years. Oh, that was pretty good. Oh, so I guess my day was okay. You know, at least okay. There's nothing bad with okay. Like I think, I think ridding ourselves of this need to enforce a binary in everything in our life, trusting that it is what it is. You know, we as individuals can't do anything about the COVID-19 pandemic right? Like, you know, like you're in lockdown right now, right? Correct? Like... I mean, stuff's still open, but I'm just staying at home. Yeah, right. And like, you know, that's probably not ideal. <laughs> you know, you'd much yeah. rather be out there doing yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. But, you, but you have a choice in how you respond to that. Like, you could get really pissed off, right? You could be like, fuck this, fuck this system, stupid COVID-19, people not following the rules, and then it spreads and all of this, Right? But then what does that attract into your life? You know, it means you've just got this negative view on the world around you. Whereas you can actually choose to go, oh, wait, this is actually time for me to sit down and do some writing or to really like spend some quality time with my family and chat to them and learn to cook, you know, or, or, you know, or listen to some music and like really enjoy that. Like, I think the thing is, is that you get to choose how you frame the world and your perspective is your projection into the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and like, as I said, like, 
this is only my experience, but I truly believe that if you come from a place of gratitude, of love, of empathy, and ultimately of a trusting in positivity, you're going to attract those things back into your life. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see a lot of that. Uh, and like just getting back to the thing about the binary, it's, it's like, like the image you said, when life throws stuff at us and we just look at it for half a second and don't try and look back and, or, or like catch the thing that life's throwing at us and just observe it then that, that's when we, we start to, like, I'm, I'm extremely guilty of this myself, where I just look at my life, uh, like, parts of my life, and I was like, yeah, that, that wasn't a great period. I don't want to think about that section of my life. I don't, like, let me just focus on this amazing experience that I had a year later. Like, and um, so, yeah, the, the thing about positivity is, yeah, I think that my mom especially keeps telling me about it. And so for me to try and uh, think about it in that way is definitely like, I would say a bit difficult and a bit like, actually, you know what, could you, could you just cut this section? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the yeah, continue like we, I'm trying to think back to what you said. Um, yeah, about having trust in it. It's just um, personally, like I sometimes have find it so difficult to have faith, and then uh, in the world, and then at other, at other times, um, it's like. Of course, I can have faith. Like I, like I was going through this shit period, and then I met these people, and now I'm feeling so good. And so I think personally, it just it fluctuates a lot for me based on the situation I am in. But thing to the thing for me is to remember back that it got better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think I also think we're like. You know, like, I think this is a universal experience is that life ebbs and flows. It's, it's up and it's down. It's, you know, like, because that's the nature of life is stuff. Everything is changing constantly. And I think where, where like pain and suffering come from is this attachment to equilibrium. But the reality is we can't maintain equilibrium. Like, that's not how life works. That's not how emotions work. It's not how the human body functions. We get sick, we get well. We get sick, we get well. You know, and it's this, it's this, constant, it's this constant cycle. Like, everything works in cycles. And the reality is, is that, you know, I think what we can work towards is to shift our equilibrium slightly higher, you know, to, to you know, embrace the, the, maybe the dips in our life and know that we're going to come out on the other side. That's a trusting that maybe can pull us up and avoid us going down into the deep depths, right? And there's a, and there's a myriad of process of inner work, outer work that needs to occur for that to occur. But I think the biggest thing, dude, is to recognize that we're all going through this. Like, this is the nature of life, that life ebbs and flows. It is up and down. And there is something really, um, I guess, like powerful in recognizing that our highs, the peaks in our life, 
are peaks in relationship to all the other experiences we've had. And so, you know, like, like, for example, like I love, right. The experience of like that moment when you look in someone's eyes and you're like, I love this person and I feel it. And it's like, not just the idea of love, but it's like this physical, tangible experience that's unarticulatable of looking at someone in the eyes and holding them close and being like, holy shit, I know. Like, I know. I, I get it now. I get it now. This is love. Oh my God. And I feel it from you. And I feel so deeply connected to you. Right. But that means so much more having had complete another heartbreak, mm-hmm. you know, having been yeah. alone in your room crying and being like, Oh my God, my heart is broken. I don't know how I'm ever going to come out of this because it's the regrowth that occurred to get you to this next point you know, and that they are in relationship with each other. And both of those experiences are neither good nor bad. They are just simply the experience in the world that we're having right at this point in time. And it comes back to the idea of now. Yeah, I'm coming back to the idea of now. It's it's interesting that, like, not only do we, like, not want the equilibrium, I feel like somehow we have an expectation of, like, an upward slope. Like, we expect our lives to get like incrementally better or we expect the highs in our life to just get higher and higher and higher. And I think that that's something, is some, uh, that's something we should let go of and just enjoy the time that we are in right now, wherever we may be, but uh, in, enjoy the moment that we are in. Bro, you, you are like, that is exactly it. And you know what it is? You know what it is? It's because I think we are told success is an end point. Like I know for me personally, I inherited this idea that success is an end point. Success is wealth. You know, it's like financial freedom. It's this point at the end. It's that two and a half children and the beautiful house with the white picket fence. It's this dream. You know, that's success. No, success is the fucking process. Success is enjoying fucking life you know and obviously there are a myriad things going in the world right now you know and like there is a level of privilege that happens for us to even have this conversation be able to look at it and like I I do want to acknowledge that like that's really important right but I think fundamentally like 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 life is meant to be enjoyed and where what's what's difficult is in our current society and the way it's structured. It's like we're tied to this endpoint, this endpoint of success to get mm-hmm. this next thing and this next thing, and that's going to fulfill me. That doesn't fulfill me. I need to chase something else. We're constantly we're chasing or we're running away from shit, right? Yeah. I I would much rather go for a walk, you know, to walk mm-hmm. through it and to see it and to take it in because you know like. I think the reality is when you like ask all these people like who are at the end of their life, like what do they regret? You know, their regret is like not enjoying it more, you know, like having millions of dollars in the bank when you die means nothing. If you never got to enjoy it, you know, like, you know, like you want to enjoy the time with people you love. You want to enjoy the experience, enjoy the process because that's fulfillment. And the reality is we all have the same endpoint. It doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor. It doesn't matter any of these, these, these like binaries that we've created, any of these structures, the endpoint is the exact same for everyone. We all die, you know? I think that kind of, um, kind of ties into the idea of legacy and that, like 
sometimes we're all striving to leave a legacy we're striving for success to leave a legacy and i think that that's something that i i'm at odds with and i don't know if i want to let that go i think it's like to to want to leave a legacy is something that can really push you forward but wanting to leave a legacy like what's the point you're dead like you like the that's again coming back to the idea of fin- uh, finality we we're just trying to make ourselves live even though we we die just because we can't accept the end bro bro fuck leaving a legacy let's live a legacy you know like let's actually have that impact now in our lives like let's go out and fucking help people like let's volunteer for organizations we care about let's check in with people we love you know let's stop on the street and say hi to someone and they might think it's weird but just be like hey how are you like let's and when we ask someone how are you can we care please can we actually care i'm you know like like it's kind of ridiculous so we talk oh hey how you doing you know blah, blah, blah. oh like hey how are you like like I, and i actually genuinely care and i want to know because you're a fellow human being and we're both walking this earth and both of us have no fucking clue what we're doing like like let's <laughs> let's acknowledge that let's live the legacy that we want to leave you know and then because we can't control legacy that's after our death you're exactly right we're dead we don't control that what we can control is what we do now in this life that we're living fuck yes to live live the legacy you want to leave i i really love that idea dude well bro how about this i say let's wrap this podcast right up on that note um I think I think we've sort of like delved into some into some beautiful territory with this and and before we do wrap up and I let you go I just want to acknowledge you um said you're an incredible human being your your passion and your your willingness to give is something that really inspires me as you know I having worked with you on a project on a creative project and and hearing you tell your story and and want to learn and connect with other people is is a true inspiration. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and and we'll have to do this again because this conversation has blown my mind and I hope if you're listening that you've got some value out of this conversation. Said Bro, thank you so much for having me on here and thinking me thinking of me out and um dude I'm, I'm loving what you're doing and um as much as we we've said like let's not live in the future I can't wait to see all the work that you do in this world well I appreciate that so much brother and I, and I and I love you to bits and if you're listening I think I just want to like emphasize this thing that we've discovered today is that live your fucking legacy now. Like let's live it. Like let's all of us like live it together. Um thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value and we will see you next week. First of all, congratulations. You just listened all the way through our podcast and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you as part of the Story Network community. If you enjoyed the conversation, it would mean the world to us if you could like, share, review and subscribe to let us know that you're listening. We are on a mission to build the largest and most diverse community of storytellers, creators and innovators from around the world and we can't do that without your help. You can check us out on Instagram 
Instagram at The Real Story Network and over on YouTube and Facebook at The Story Network. My name is Zed Hopkins, you're amazing, and we are The Story Network. Woo! The Story Network! See you next week!